crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to eat to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Here we are in the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 855 in the back section. This is the Belgic Confession, and this morning we're going to be looking at articles 4 and 5 and 6. We're not going to read those articles in their entirety, but parts of each of them. 
from page 855, Article 4, entitled uh, The Canonical Books. We include in the Holy Scripture the two volumes of the Old and New Testaments. They are canonical books which, which the, with which there can be no quarrel at all. In the Church of God, the list is as follows. And what is listed there are all the books of Scripture. Article 5, entitled The Authority of Scripture, We receive all these books, and these only, as holy and canonical, for the regulating, founding, and establishing of our faith. And we believe without a doubt all things contained in them, not so much because the church receives and approves them as such, but above all because the Holy Spirit testifies in our hearts that they are from God, and also because they prove themselves to be from God. For even the blind themselves are able to see that the things predicted in them do happen. And then Article 6, the difference between canonical and apocryphal books. We distinguish between these holy books and the apocryphal ones, which are, and it lists 14 books there. The church may certainly read these books and learn from them as far as they agree with the canonical books. But they do not have such power and virtue that one could confirm from their testimony any point of faith or of the Christian religion. Much less can they detract from the authority of the other holy books. This is our confession of faith. Well, as we continue our study of the Word of God as summarized for us in the Belgian Confession, I hope that you see uh, more than just the confession itself, but something of the, uh, of the logic behind the confession. Uh, we begin with uh, an article about who God is, and then about how God reveals Himself, and now focusing in particular on the perfections of Scripture. Because it is from Scripture that the truth contained in the rest of the Belgian Confession will arise. The Bible is our final word, the authority of God Himself. We said uh, that the confessions have an apologetic use for us. If someone uh, came to you and said, what does your church believe about the Bible? Well, we could take them to a number of texts in Scripture explaining where, where Scripture speaks about its perfections. Or we could say, if you'd like a more topical description of what our church believes about the Bible, you can go to the Belgic Confession and read Articles 2 through 7, as these describe the perfections of the Word. Last week, we talked about the fact that the Bible is inspired. It comes from God Himself. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the fact that the Bible is authoritative. Now, children, in the, uh, in the confession at the beginning of Article 4, it uses the word canonical, the canonical books. And I suspect uh, the word canonical is not a word that you use very often or even a word that you hear very often. What do we mean when we say that these are the canonical books? Well, a canon... A canon is a 
measuring stick. Originally, a cannon was a reed, not like you read a book, but like you grows in the water, a reed. And they would use that reed, that cannon, to measure things. They would use them something like a yardstick. And that's not a bad analogy. The Word of God is canonical. It's like a yardstick for us. It is, a, it is a word that we use to measure where we are in our lives. Are we living up to the standard God has given to us? And the, the Word of God as canonical is a perfect standard. It's a holy standard. It's a righteous standard. The Bible is the rule by which we measure our lives. And I hope you caught in uh, Revelation 22, uh, throughout this passage, a number of references to the perfections of the Word of God. Look at verse 6. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. They are reliable. And the Lord, the God of the Spirit of the prophets, sent his angel to show what must soon take place. The Lord, the God of the Spirit of the prophets, the prophets who we talked about last time were moved along by the Holy Spirit to write a perfectly reliable word for us. John says in verse 8, I, John, am the one who heard and who saw these things. John was an eyewitness. But again, we talked about last time, even the eyewitnesses said we have a more faithful witness. The word of the prophets. The prophets given to us by God. And in verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. This was meant to be revealed. Revealed from God to his people. Our focus this morning is going to be on the end of chapter 22, verse 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Now, I know you recognize, as I recognize, uh, those verses uh, penned by John come at the end of the book of Revelation. The, the book that they are making reference to, the words of this book, uh, is the book Revelation. But it is no accident that these words also find themselves not only at the end of the book of Re Revelation, the end of this book, the end of all of Scripture. They refer not only to Revelation, but to all that has been given to us, all the revelation God has provided. It would be similar to, to the text in uh, 2 Timothy 3. We're going to look at that next week. Uh, all Scripture is uh, breathed out by God and is useful for teaching, reproof, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture... What's the referent that Paul has when he says all Scripture? Well, Paul's referent was the Old Testament. New Testament hadn't been written yet. Paul's referent is the Old Testament. And yet we do not question that that text most certainly applies 
to all of the Word of God that is given by inspiration. And so too here at the end of Revelation. The warning not to add anything to the words of the book, not to take anything away from the words of the book. John speaks about the book of Revelation. The Holy Spirit speaks about the whole Bible. Our confession says in Article 5, We receive all these books and these only as holy and canonical for the regulating, founding, and establishing of our faith. We receive all these books and these only as holy and canonical. We receive only these books. The confession is speaking uh, to the practice of including another set of books as if they were canonical, the apocryphal books. Fourteen books uh, that were written and by some included in the canon of Scripture. The Roman Catholic Church accepts the apocryphal books as canonical. Uh, The Council of Trent was a bit unclear on their uh, distinction of the uh, apocryphal books, but Vatican Council made it very, very clear. These 14 apocryphal books have canonical status. Most Protestant churches... Uh, do not include the the apocryphal books because they simply don't meet the standard of Scripture. We accept these books only. The canonical, the the apocryphal may be interesting to read, and perhaps some of you have read some of the apocryphal books. I haven't read all of them. I've read a little of some of them. Uh, They can be interesting to read, uh, perhaps even used for instruction, but only as far as they agree with the Word of God. And in no way can they detract from the authority of the Word of God. We receive these books only. These 66 holy, canonical, authoritative books. These and these alone. Some of you have asked uh, about the lapel pin that I started wearing not so long ago. Uh, It was a gift, and uh, on this pin are the words sola scriptura, the word of God alone. As a reminder to me, as a reminder to you, that what must come from the pulpit and be the source of our teaching, instruction, correcting, training in righteousness must come from the Word of God alone. No extra books, no apocryphal books. Now, I don't suspect many of us are going to turn to uh, 3rd or 4th Esdras or Bell and the Dragon to be instructed this coming week. But there are times when we create modern apocryphal books. And I use that term very loosely at this point. Some of you, um, when you go to purchase a new Bible, uh, look for a study Bible. And a study Bible is a good thing. It's helpful to have a study Bible because at the bottom of the page, there's a set of notes that describe what the text is talking about. But, But sometimes I think 
subconsciously, we accept that, that study guide at the bottom almost as if it were the Word of God. And I've heard this before in Bible studies. Now, in this church, another church I was at, discussing a particular text, and someone said, but no, look, right here in my Bible, it says this, pointing to the study notes. The study notes in a study Bible are no more than a commentary. They are like any commentary that I have on my shelf in my office. They just happen to find themselves within the covers of our Bible. But they are no more authoritative than any other commentary out there. We must be very careful that we not, uh, not try to add something. We take these books only, the Scriptures alone, sola scriptura, only the Word of God as that, as that source of our, our foundation of what is true and what is not. Maybe, maybe we sometimes want to give pseudo-canonical status, to some self-help books. Now, self-help books are exactly that. They're helpful. You can get books about how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife, how to succeed in business, all these self-help things, but they are helpful only insofar as they agree with the Word of God. If you want a study on how to be a better husband, do a careful study of Ephesians chapter 5. There's your self-help book on how to be a better husband. So we must be careful. We don't, we, don't, we don't subconsciously add to the Word of God. We receive only these books because, John says, I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. There is a curse that comes with adding to the Word of God, and John warns against that. We receive only these books, and we receive all these books from Article 4 of the Confession. We include in the Holy Scripture the two volumes of the Old and the New Testaments. They are canonical books with which there can be no quarrel at all. We include in Holy Scripture the Old and the New Testament. And the article goes on to list 66 holy, canonical, authoritative books. The Old and the New Testament. But it is so easy for us, functionally in our lives, to give the Old Testament something of a secondary status when it comes to being the Word of God. Children, the Old Testament is two-thirds of the Bible. Two-thirds of the Bible is in the Old Testament. But so often, if we get into a discussion with someone about a particular point of doctrine, and we quote from Numbers, or we quote from Ezekiel, the most common response you will get is, but that's the Old Testament. But that's the Old Testament. As if that were somehow less canonical than the rest of Scripture. We easily become functionally dispensational 
saying the New Testament, that's what's really important, and the rest, it's fine, it's okay. How many times in our devotions do we turn to a careful study of 2 Chronicles, of the book of Lamentations? I'm so pleased that the Education Committee has given us a Bible reading plan that takes us through all of the Scriptures. We confess Old and New Testament are authoritative, are canonical. And in many ways, we miss the richness of the New Testament unless we know the Old, even in our text today. Verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Where does that image come from? You know it comes from Genesis, children. The tree of life in the Garden of Eden. We read the words in verse 16. Jesus, uh, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify about these things for the churches. I am the root, the descendant of David, the bright morning star. These are all, all Old Testament images that without a knowledge of the Old Testament, where they come from, we miss the depth and the beauty of the New Testament. We receive all of these books, all of them. Because, we read in verse 19, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. God removes the blessing when we remove anything from the word of God. We receive only these books, we receive all these books. And our confession says in Article 5, And we believe, without a doubt, all things contained in them. We believe, without a doubt, all things contained in them, not so much because the church receives and approves them as such, but above all because the Holy Spirit testifies they are from God. We mentioned last week that it is not up to the church to determine what is canonical. It's not because of the authority of the church that we have the Word of God. We do not sit in judgment upon God's Word. God's Word judges us. No, we say that the church recognizes the authority. doesn't bestow it. recognizes the authority and the canonicity of God's Holy Word. The Scriptures are self-authenticating. They give so many witnesses to the fact that they are true. Our confession says even a blind person can see that what the Word of God says actually happens. The objective fulfillment of prophecy, we see how the Scriptures are faithful and true, and God perfectly works His ways out to fulfill His Word. We can compare biblical history with world history, learning from this other source, and we see how perfectly they match up together. No, it's not because the church says the Word of God is true that it's true. The Word of God is true. We recognize it, and we believe without a doubt everything contained therein. 
The Holy Spirit witnesses to us, our confession reminds us. The Holy Spirit witnesses to the truth of Scripture, which is why an unbeliever will never accept the authority of the Word of God. Unless the Spirit of God is is active in him or her, they will never embrace the authority, the inspiration, the perfection of God's Word. It's, It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God that open our eyes to see these glorious truths, even even when they seem unbelievable. When we read in God's Word about His perfections, His holiness, His righteousness, all of His greatness and glory, and we read in the Word of God about the fallenness of man, our sinfulness, our depravity, and we say, how is it possible? How is it possible that a holy, righteous God could save this fallen creature? The Word of God says it's through His Son, through His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to shed His blood for us. And we say, unbelievable! But the Word of God teaches it. And so we believe it. Even even when the Word of God seems impossible to believe, that God would give up His Son for the sake of fallen mankind, we say we believe without a doubt everything contained therein. This morning, once again, we will come to the table of the Lord, a witness to the truth of Scripture as we take and eat and take and drink, and we're reminded that the Word of God is true, that Jesus Christ did come for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins. And he calls out to us once again today. He calls out to us to put our faith, our hope, our trust in him as the only source of salvation because the word of God teaches that. The authoritative, instructive, perfect word of God teaches us to call out to him and to know the joys of salvation. We receive only these books. Others can be interesting, perhaps even helpful, but only these books We receive all of these books, Old Testament and New, and we believe without a doubt, even that which is unbelievable, that God sent His Son to save a fallen people. Oh, we praise God for the trustworthiness, for the authority of His Word. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we are so thankful to You that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us in your holy word. We confess its perfections, O God, and we pray that you would help us to receive your word and your word only as that rule of faith and life for directing us in our walk with you. Use that holy canon of scripture to lead us, to guide us, to direct us for how we should live and bring praise to you. Lord God, encourage us and strengthen us through your word and by your Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.